The name of the new series is Loving Jesus, Transforming Lives. How many know that that is our motto, if you will? It's our vision statement. It's our mission statement of this church, Loving Jesus, Transforming Lives. And it's simple. It's all about discovering the love of Christ that we might motivate others to live lives full of Jesus and full of Jesus' love. That's what it's all about. This is our time, you and I, to make every moment count to influence our homes, our jobs, our church, our community, our families. It's up to you and I to influence them with this love. This series will be a commitment to live intentionally and on purpose for others. You know, I have a definition of love that I just believe the Lord uh, gave to me. Maybe it was only for me. (laughs) But, you know, it really goes something like love to me is the giving of one's self at the expense of oneself for the benefit of another. The giving of oneself at the expense of oneself. Because without sacrifice, is it really love? For the benefit of another. And that's what Jesus has for us. We need to understand grace and to be able to give grace to others. Grace is that thing that is undeserved, things that they don't deserve, okay? We received it, but we need to give it. Receiving it is not the end of the story, and that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk during this series about the greatest force the universe has ever known, and that is love. I'm not talking about emotions, I'm not talking about the emotional kind of love that's up and down, that's wishy-washy. Come on, love you a lot today, and the next day I don't love you so much. I'm not talking about that emotional love. I'm talking about the agape love that Christ has for us, that no matter what you do, he still loves you because he has set his love upon you. Even if you deny him, he still loves you. Come on, it doesn't change his love for you. See, Peter, come on. You turn your back on him. You disobey him. He still loves you. I could name a lot. See, Adam, Eve, Jonah. We could go all the way down the list. Come on. We're going to talk about the greatest force this universe has ever known. And that is the love of God, the love of Christ. There's four things that I'm after in this series. We're going to talk today about discovering love. That's getting a better understanding of the love that Jesus has for us because I want to tell you something this morning. We have no idea. We think we do. Maybe we have some idea, but we fall well short in our comprehension of the love that Christ has for us. So we're going to talk about discovering love today. And then we're going to talk about prevailing love. Get get an awareness of the most powerful force of the universe. Begin to see. And that only comes by revelation. 
doesn't just come by teaching. I can teach you all day, but God's going to have to reveal some things to us during this series. Come on. Then we're going to talk about sharing love. Remember, it's the purpose. You can't just have it to yourself. Nothing God gives you is simply only for you. It's either for you to share or it's to build you up that you'll have something else to share. Come on. We're going to talk about sharing, loving others the way that Jesus loves you. That's the important part of it. See, you could say, oh, yes, you know, Brother Mike, he's just talking about loving others. Yeah, we get that. We need to love others. No, I'm talking about loving them the way that Jesus loves you. And that's an incomprehensible way of loving someone. Come on. And then we're going to finish up with transforming lives. Changing lives for the better with the love of Jesus, not through your own strength. That's what I'm after during this series. So today we're going to talk about discovering. We cannot share the love of Jesus unless we first discover what that love is. How does Jesus love us? What does that mean that Jesus loves us? We're going to talk about that. Discovering love simply means this. It means to abandon what you know about love. All of the experiences that you've had, the good and the bad. Abandon those things for a moment. Make a purposeful decision, even today, even right now, to live like Jesus and accept his love by faith because you cannot accept it any other way. You, can, you really cannot accept the love. Once you understand the height and the depth and the width of the love of Christ, you cannot accept it any other way but by faith because no one loves that way. You will say there is no one. It's not possible for anyone to love like that. It's impossible. But guess what? With man, it is impossible, but with God, including the way that he loves us. It's the way you love me. If you have your Bible this morning, turn to Ephesians chapter 5th. Chapter number 5th of the book of Ephesians. We're talking about accepting Jesus' love by what? By faith. We are going to have to just believe it. We are going to have to believe that the Lord Jesus could love us that way. I don't believe it, Lord. He said, well, I'll make you believe it. I'm going to give you a revelation. I'll give you a revelation. Here's what the series is all about. Ephesians 5, starting at verse 1, says this, Therefore, be what? Imitators of God as dear children. And walk in what? Walk in love. That means live your life in love. That means every moment. That doesn't mean some days I'm going to love you, other days I'm going to chastise you with no love, and then tomorrow maybe I'll love you again. Walk in love. It's how you live, move, and have your being. As Christ, here's the key to the whole scripture. Here's the key to it. Don't just walk in love, but walk in love as Christ also has loved us. So we got to figure out how does he love us? Because I can't love you with the love of Christ unless I first see how is it, Lord, that you love me. And given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God, a sweet 
smelling aroma. He gave himself for us. Another version says, watch what God does and then you do it. Come on, that means be an imitator of him. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is he loves you. That's what he does. People think, oh, God's this father and he, he's working and what does he do? He chastises us and he corrects us. And he, mostly what God does is he loves you. That's what he does. He loves you. It says keep company with him and learn a life of love, the way you live. Observe, see, perceive, behold how Christ loves us. Listen, his love is not cautious, but extravagant. He abandons his own feelings. Come on. His love is extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. Isn't that heavy? He didn't love us to get something from us, but to give everything he has to us. And then it says, love like that. Love like that seems impossible when you really think about it. If it doesn't seem impossible to you, then you're really not thinking about it. You're not getting what I'm saying. If it really, if it doesn't seem like it, that's a little out there, brother Mike. If it doesn't seem like that to you, then I'm really not getting across the love that Christ has for us. I'm talking about it's not cautious. I'm talking about it's extravagant. It's over the top. It's more than enough. You are never in need of love when you are with Christ. Because his love is more than enough. It's extravagant. It exceeds our expectations. And he doesn't love to get anything, not one thing from you. You might say to yourself, well, wait a minute. I've heard you preach this before, that the one thing we can give God is our obedience. And I will tell you, you are exactly right. That is the one thing that we can give God. That's the one thing he seeks from us. But I'll tell you this. He doesn't love you just to get that from you. Here's the thing. Here's, here's where Christ is coming from. I just want to tell you, I peeked just a little bit into the vastness and the endlessness of his mind, all right, in prayer. And this is what he shared. He said, if you can understand the love that I have for you, how I, I give everything of myself to you, obedience won't be a problem. You don't have to get up saying, I'm really going to obey God today. I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to watch my mouth. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be nice to people. I'm going to have a good attitude. I'm really going to listen. I'm going to, you don't have to do all any of that. Because if you understand the love that Christ has for you, obedience will not be a problem. It won't be a problem. That's what he's telling you today. You know the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. Verse 13 of that chapter says, And now abide what? Faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is what? Love. In other words, for right now, until all that completeness, we have three things to lead us to the end. Toward that consummation. Three things. They're all important. Faith. Trust steadily in God. Hope. 
unswervingly and love extravagantly. The best of these three is love. The best of them is love. I have a prayer that I want you to say with me this morning. I call it the transforming love prayer. If we can put that prayer up there, I want you to to say this with me this morning because this is going to be the catalyst of this uh, series and what we're talking about, okay? See that up there? Say that with me. One, two, three. Lord Jesus, today I ask that you help me to understand and accept your love. Help me to have eyes to see and heart to respond to the needs of others. Let me share grace with the undeserved and bring healing to the hurting. Now, here's the thing about this. You haven't seen that prayer before. I understand that. So you may be a little cautious because you want to see, now what does Michael have up there that I'm going to be repeating? You know, I'm not really sure. I don't mind repeating it. I mean, I, I trust you, but I just kind of got to see it first. You know, I get that. And, and so, uh, so when we repeated that prayer, you know, it's kind of like somebody in Los Angeles, California somewhere repeating the prayer. That's how they do it in L.A. But now we're going to repeat the prayer like the Hoosiers do, okay? I know L.A. kind of wishy-washy, you know? There's the wishy-washy town, all right? And so, but, but we here, we're Hoosiers, all right? Now that you have seen this prayer, I hope you understand it. Let's repeat this thing together. One, two, three. Lord Jesus, today I ask that you help me to understand and accept your love. Help me to have eyes to see and heart to respond to the needs of others. Let me share grace with the undeserved and bring healing to the hurting. Amen. That's what I want. I want to be able to share grace with the undeserved and to bring healing to the hurting. If you've never tried this in your life, I got to tell you, one of the greatest feelings in the world, and I'm not talking about arrogance. I'm not talking about being self-centered. That's not what I'm talking about here. But one of the greatest feelings in the world is when someone is in need and you have the answer. You can come and help. And I'm not, I'm talking about if, whether it's anonymously, I'm not talking about looking for anything back. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about there is a feeling that you get in your spirit when someone is in need and you can come and go here, especially when they're desperate. How many know this world is desperate? They are desperate for an answer. Come on. But there's no greater feeling. If you haven't tried it, you ought to try it, giving yourself to others. You see, when you have the love of Jesus, you live life a certain way. You have options. Live life options, I call it. And you live life a certain way. When you don't have the love of Jesus, you also live life a certain way, whether you want to or not. When you don't have the love of our Lord, you live life with limitations. You really do. 1 John 4, 8 says, He who does not know God does not know love, for God is love. He who does not know love does not know God. Why? Because God 
is love. God just doesn't love. It's what he is. It's who he is. So if you don't know love, you don't know God. And if you don't know God, you don't know love. You might think you do, but you don't know it. If we believe that God is is love, wouldn't it stand to reason that there is no love without God? If we believe that God is love, wouldn't it stand to reason that there is no love without God? What is it that we believe is love? Compassion? Caring? Empathy? Giving? What do we believe is love? Those things are simply the result of what love does. Those are just simply the result. Come on. But what is love, really? Those are the result. Love without Jesus, this is how you're going to live. First, you're going to find yourself living hard-hearted. You really will. Unsympathetic, cold at times, insensitive. You don't even know you're being insensitive. Unkind, heartless, unfeeling, not compassionate. You'll live that way. You'll live indifferent. Well, I really don't care. I don't care who becomes president. I don't care who my boss is. I don't care what time I get to work. I don't care if we praise the Lord or if we don't. I don't care about this. I don't care about that. You just live indifferently. You just live in, and that's a terrible way to live. It's insensitive, unconcerned. You have no passion. You also will live isolated. You'll be doing life alone and by yourself, not involved in anyone else's world, anyone else's problem, anyone else's need. This is not an option when you love like Jesus. See, you're involved when you love like Jesus. You have to be. But without his love, you're there by yourself. Do you know how many people in this world, I'll even say, do you know how many people in this country would simply just like for someone to listen to them. There are so many people that would just love for someone to listen. Maybe you don't even have the answer, but I just need somebody to hear me, whatever it may be. There was once an ad in a Kansas newspaper. This is a true story. And it read, I will listen to you talk For 30 minutes, without comment, five bucks. Five bucks. They put the ad in the newspaper. True story. Call this number. I'll listen to you talk. I won't make any comments. You know, I won't judge. No judgments, no comments. I'll just listen. Maybe I'll go, "Mm mm-hmm, oh, hmm. That's about it. I'll do all that. Five bucks. That's it. Sounds like a hoax, doesn't it? Did to me. But the person was serious. Did anybody call? You bet. It wasn't long before this individual was receiving 10 to 20 calls a day. You see, the pain of loneliness was so sharp that some were willing to try anything for a half an hour of companionship. Half an hour. Just need someone to listen. So to be... A person who loves like Jesus, 
you don't even necessarily have to have all the answers. <laughs> Maybe you don't even have an answer. It could just be listening. You don't have Jesus' love, you live in self-pity, always feeling sorry for yourself. And I got to tell you something, that's a very selfish perspective. It is. Maybe you didn't hear me. <laughs> for those who live in self-pity, I don't want to step on your toes because I've been there, done that. But to live in self-pity is a very selfish perspective. It's a selfish perspective on the world, always looking for sympathy from others. You have what I call the martyr complex. Come on. Everything is against me. Life is unfair. You're being down on yourself. No, you compare yourself to others, always comparing myself to Steve or Eldon or Jeff or whoever. Always, he, they have more than me. It seems like they know more scripture than me. They have a better job than me. Look at their car. You're always comparing yourself. I want to tell you the danger in comparison is when you begin to do it, you'll always find that everyone else is better than you. Come on. You live in self-pity, which leads to negativity. You live a negative life. You have negative attitudes, feelings, assumptions, and opinions. So many people have negative assumptions about something in the future because something negative happened in the past. And I think that's something that should be broken. You've already made up your mind about what's going to happen tomorrow because you were disappointed yesterday. God is not like that. Don't take it at face value. Some people want to be an island. You live like that. You live without the love of Jesus. You just want to, I just want to be over here. Don't talk to me. You avoid people. See someone coming, you go the other way, cross the street, phone rings, you don't answer it. Could be somebody who wants to talk to me. Came across another story. There was an old man standing on a crowded bus. A young man got on the bus and stood next to him. And he asked him, what time is it? Excuse me, sir, what time is it? The old man said nothing, just kind of turned, looked the other way. As the young man walked away, another old man on the bus said, why were you so rude to the young man? He just asked for the time. The old man said, well, yeah, but if I had given him the time of day, then he'd want to know where I'm going. Then we might talk about our interests. And if we did that, he might invite himself over to my house for dinner. Then if he came to my house, he would meet my lovely daughter. And if he met her, they would both fall in love. And frankly, I don't want my daughter marrying someone who doesn't have a watch. <laughs> he just had an excuse for not wanting to forge a new relationship. I don't want to talk to anyone. Don't want to talk to anyone. I just want to be by myself. It's interesting. I don't know if you've ever been that way. I'll confess something to you. There have been times in my life where I've been that way. Yeah, somebody wants to talk to me. Oh, boy, what do they want to talk? They start talking to me, and then we got to talk, and then we'll probably talk more, and then we'll probably become friends, and then want to hang out. There's somebody else to take up my time. 
I'm over here doing nothing, and they're interrupting me from doing nothing. <laughs> All of that reminds me of another story. <laughs> there was a newspaper columnist and a minister. His name was George Crane. And he tells the story of a wife who came into his office one day. She was full of hatred toward her husband, okay? Full of hatred. Man's no good. You know, he never tells me that he loves me. We just, we, we don't get along. We always argue. I don't even want to be in the same room with him. You know, I don't even know why we got married. She said, I do not only want to get rid of him, I really want to get even with him because I spent some of the best years of my life with him. I want to get even. Before I divorce him, I want to hurt him as much as he's hurt me. Hmm. So Dr. Crane suggested an ingenious plan. He said, this is what we're going to do. Before you divorce him, go home and act as if you really love him. See, act like you really love him. Tell him how much he means to you. Praise him for every decent trait that he has. Go out of your way to be kind. Yeah, she's going, yeah, I can see where you're going here, right? Go out of your way. Be considerate and be as generous as you possibly can. Spare no effort, come on, to please him, to enjoy him. Make him believe that you really do love him. Then drop the bomb on him. Tell him that you're getting a divorce. See, that'll, that'll really hurt him. She said, yeah. So with revenge in her eyes and malice in her heart, she walked out of the office. She went home. And she said, that's a beautiful plan. She did it with enthusiasm, acting as if. For two months, she showed love, kindness, listening, giving, reinforcing, sharing. When she didn't return to Dr. Crane's office, he called and said, are you ready to go through with the divorce now? I mean, it's been two months. Divorce, she exclaimed. Never. I discovered I really love him. Her actions had changed her feelings. Motion resulted in emotion. The ability to love is established not so much by a fervent promise as often as repeated deeds sometimes. Point to the story is not that she changed his love toward her, which very possibly happened. The point is she changed her love toward him by acting like Jesus. Some of us need to act like Jesus, and maybe our heart will then be that of Jesus. You can choose to live these ways, hard-hearted, indifferent, isolated, self-pity, negative, or you can have the love of Jesus, live life the Jesus way. Come on, what did Jesus say? He said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and go out and find pasture. I come that you might have life. Unlike your enemy, your enemy came to kill you. Steal, kill, and destroy. I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. See, when you live the Jesus way, you live possibility. Everything is possible. There's a possibility. 
Do you think you can do that? I don't know, but it's possible. We'll see. I'll pray. Let's see what the Lord has to say. Only thing is if it's not in God's will. But other than that, it's possible. If it's in the will of God, it's possible. I don't care what it is. You will live possibility. This is the attitude of all things are possible. Anything can happen. You live life with expectancy. Live life with expectancy. It's a much happier life. God, all things are possible. Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who what? Believes. Listen to what the prophet Samuel told Israel. He said, now therefore, stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do right before your eyes. He's not saying, well, let's see if the Lord does it. And then if he does, then we'll applaud. He said, stand up, see with expectancy. Look, look, look. He's about to do it. Open your eyes to what God is doing and what he's about to do. That's how you live your life when you have the love of Jesus. You live a full life. This is a life that lives on a full tank. Tank full of virtue, full of life, full of dreams, full of love, full of energy, full of God. You have it all. Containing. All that you need, all that you want, you live full. I heard somebody say once that Christians are sometimes like fertilizer. Get them all together and they smell. But spread them out and they will do some good. We need to understand what the love of Christ is that we might go out and share this thing. That's how you live life on full. Live life full, full of possibilities. And then you live life strong. Live life strong. You don't shrink back from situations. You don't shrink back from circumstances. You don't shrink back from people. When they ask you for the time, you give it to them. Knowing they might talk to you a little longer. Come on. You don't go across the street. Come on. But you live life strong. This is a strong in God, a strong in grace, strong in resources. Come on, for helping others. Strong in circumstances for life. To live strong is to defeat the enemy, to overcome, to be powerful in influence, to be thriving. We were made to thrive means going for the gold and having strength for others. You know, as a, uh, well, I was about to say as a young man, but I guess as a man, I can still say as a young man. You know, as a young man, I, I, I love this time of year typically. I kind of haven't been into it as much this year as, as in past years, but a lot of guys, well, and a lot of girls, uh, like March Madness, you know, March Madness where the basketball is going on and even my daughter is asking me, how is your bracket, you know, and all of those types of things. And people really get into it. And uh, one of the things I like about this time of year is when they play all of these games, a lot of the games come down to the last moments of the game. And you're going back and you're going, and you know that, listen, you lose a game this time of year, that's it. You, one game, 
They call it one and done, right? So you're in it now. We're playing this one game. There's no tomorrow. This is not like in the middle of the season where, well, if we lose a day, that's okay. We'll just get back up and try again on Thursday. No, you lose today. That's it for this year. So that's what's at stake for these young men and young women who are in this tournament. So now imagine it comes down to the last moments of that game. And if you play that game trying not to lose, have you ever heard that term where you go into something and you're playing not to lose? That means you're being safe, you're being cautious, we're tied 68 to 68, so I don't want to turn the ball over, I want to make sure that I really get a good shot. If I don't have a good shot, then just take it back out, don't force anything, just lay back. And I want to tell you, teams that play that way lose every single time. The team that takes chances, the team that's aggressive, the team that sticks to the game plan, the team that is all in is more likely the team that will win. I want to tell something, I want to tell you something for you and I. This thing that we're in called life, the only way for us to be successful is to be all in. You can't live your life on the sideline, shrinking back. Well, I'll let her do it. She does it better. I'll let that one do it. I won't say anything in this situation. I'm not going to try. I could go to school, but I don't want to go because I might fail. The, I don't know if I'm smart enough. I'll just keep this job here. I won't try for another. You cannot live your life that way. You can't live your life that way and live strong. God wants us to live strong. He told Timothy, you therefore, my son, and he's telling this to you and I today, you therefore, my son, my daughter, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in it. Be strong. Stand up with grace. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. You live strong and then you live purpose. Someone told me something some years ago. I began to talk about potential. And I said, you know, yeah, this young man has a lot of potential. And, uh, you know, I have a lot of potential. And there's all this potential. And she said, you know what? Stop talking about potential. And I said, what? What do you mean? That's, the, that's, you know, that's, that's what you go for, potential. When you have potential, that's what you want to reach is your potential. She said, well, that's the way the world thinks about potential. Stop talking about potential. Start talking about purpose. Because that's the way God deals with you. He deals with you in relation to purpose. What's your purpose? What is the purpose that you're here? There is a purpose for this thing. He wants you to fulfill your purpose, not rely on your potential. Because potential is what you might be able to get to. Potential is something that's hope. Maybe I can do it. I have the potential to do it. But God is saying, no, I have put a purpose in you. And there's no hope about it. There's no question about it. You can fulfill your purpose. This is a life that sees the target. Come on. A life that has lived intentionally. I'm going for it. I will not back down. I will not shrink back. It's all about purpose. God created you with a purpose. You are not an accident. You are fearfully and wonderfully made you are fearfully and wonderfully made and he has a plan for you you have a purpose in your life there are many plans in man's heart nevertheless the lord's counsel that will stand 
Plans are established by counsel, by wise counsel. But God's plans, that will stand. Ephesians 3.20, amplified version says, Now to him who, by, in consequence of the actions of his power that is at work within us, is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly, far above all that you dare ask, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, dreams, way above all of that. He is able to do that. Things that you can't even imagine he's able to do. God's saying, for indeed, for this purpose, I have raised you up. That you may show my power in you. Said this in Exodus chapter 9. Come on. And that my name may be declared in all the earth. But guess what? Through you. It's up to you and I. And then live love. That's the way you'll live if you have the love of Christ. You'll live love. This is a life attitude that focuses on becoming a conduit for the life and love of Jesus to other people. For God so loved the world that he gave, he gave, he gave willingly. He gave, he willingly and freely gave his only begotten son. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. You could say he died for us in faith. He died for us before we said, yes, if you do that, I will give my life. He didn't wait for us to make a declaration. I will give my life to you, Lord, if you die for me. He didn't wait for that. While we were in, wallowing in our sin, while we were yet in the miry clay, in the muck, doing wrong, having improper thoughts and acting on them, while we were sinning and talking badly to each other, while we had filthy communication coming out of our mouth, while we were doing all sorts of acts that are ungodly, Christ was on a cross dying for you and I to redeem you and I from all of that. How does he love us extravagantly? There is no love like the love that God has for you. There is no love like it. How does he love us? Well, he gave himself completely and wholly to us. He gave everything that he had to us. He left where he was to come and wrap himself in flesh. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. How does he love us? He doesn't hold a grudge against you. 2 Corinthians 5.19, that is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses. That simply means he was not bringing up your sins to you as he was doing it. Yeah, I'll bring you back to me, but remember you did this. I remember you did that. He doesn't remember any of that, not imputing your trespasses to you and has committed to us the the word of reconciliation. He's committed it to us. You ever notice that most people do not listen with the intent to understand? Most people listen in a conversation with the intent to reply. You ever notice that? You ever notice that about yourself? God is not like that. 
When Jesus is listening to you, he's listening to you. I want to tell you something. He's into you. The Lord Jesus is into you like that. He's into you. Ask yourself if you're truly listening to others or if you're being distracted by your own chatter in your head. Jesus is not like that. He genuinely cares about you. When he's, he's thinking about you, it's all about you. It's all about you. When he's listening to you, he is focused, guess what, on you, your issues, your problems, your desires, your feelings. Jesus is into you like that. Come on. He has compassion that exceeds our understanding. I don't know why God would do this. His compassion exceeds our understanding. There was a woman that was brought to him, my favorite Bible story, caught in adultery, brought to him, and they threw her down before him. Caught her red-handed. Threw her down before Jesus. The law says she must be stoned. She must be killed. What do you say? The greatest force that this universe has ever known spoke. Love spoke and said, you that have no sin, cast the first stone. They all left, youngest to oldest. That would have been great if that was the end of the story. But my favorite part of my favorite story is when he bent down to this woman. And in today's terms, he would have said, sweetheart, where are your accusers? Who accuses you? There are none, Lord. Neither do I. The greatest force in the universe accuse you. Now, go and sin no more. His compassion exceeds our own understanding. And then finally, God gives us good gifts. How does he love you? He gives you good gifts. Matthew 7, 11 says, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your Father in heaven, how much more will he give you good things to those who ask him? Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation and there is no shadow of turning. 1 Corinthians 1.4, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we may be able to comfort those experiencing any trouble with the same comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. God comforts you that you might be able to comfort others. God is near you now and desires to help you. God is coming to your world to touch your need. Jesus reaches those who stand afar off, embarrassed, shamed, totally on empty, and who cannot even reach out with their own power. It's okay. Jesus is coming to where you are.
This life, loving Jesus, transforming lives, is for you to be used by Jesus, to be like Jesus, to share like Jesus, to love like Jesus. Your eyes are the birthplace of kindness. You can't care until you are aware. Slow down, look around, stop, talk, feel, and see people like Jesus sees people. Don't wait. Don't delay. Don't procrastinate. Do what you can at the moment. Seize the moment. Now is our time to live like Jesus and to share his love. If you don't understand the love that Jesus has for you, I dare you, I dare you to take a chance to discover his love. It will require you, yes, to put your heart on your sleeve. It will require you to be vulnerable to a point. Actually, it will require you to have the pretense of vulnerability because when you give your heart to Jesus, there's nothing vulnerable about it. But you think you are vulnerable. It will require you to open up. It will require you to listen to what the Lord has to say. We have no idea how he loves us. Oh, how he loves you and me.